Welcome in, Man Fam, to an extended weekly recommends here in the middle of our, actually the beginning of our coronavirus vacation. We hope everybody is staying the safe. The worst Chevy Chase movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the best for you, yeah. If Chevy Chase had it, I think you would not be that upset. Randy Quaid, I mean, he's got a few zingers in there, but the... Uh, <laughs> how quickly would... Uh, who played the son? Is like David Faustino in one of them. How quickly Ethan would Embry. he sign up? What? <laughs> Ethan Embry. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. How quickly would Ethan Embry sign up for a quarantine? Yeah, I mean, he already did. Ethan Embry's he's like, just... he's got a lot going on right now, so he's pretty booked. It's been booked since Can't Hardly Wait and that thing you do. Well, welcome back. Welcome in here to an extended week of recommends. We hope everyone's staying safe out there and we're getting, getting our uh, canned goods on and stuff like that. Drinking your quarantinis, doing whatever you can to to pass the time here. Maybe binging some content, joining us in our VIP feed over on our Discord, and keeping the conversation going there. So if you want to join us over there, if you want some more throwback episodes, join us at our VIP feed, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Be a great month to join. We've got a lot of a lot of people at home willing to talk and and carry on this conversation. So like I said, Jump, join us over there and uh, jump right into that conversation. It's going to be a fun time. So, we got an extended recommend here, meaning we're each going to give multiple things to recommend. So, I think let's start off with TV shows. How about that? We'll roll the dice there. That's what the, uh, the old Plinko landed on. And uh, we'll go TV shows first. So, mine's The Price is Right. No, um, <laughs> actually, I'm going to recommend a, uh, a documentary series. Nice. It was, this is HBO. I love HBO. Love HBO films. I think they do a fantastic job with a lot of their documentary series. And I, I know you've seen parts of this, Brian. I don't know about you, Richard. Have you watched McMillions, Richard? I oh have. I've been gosh. saving it. Been saving it. So I, I've got that. I'm going to take your recommendation. Probably watch. Start that up this week. I'm excited. Yeah, you're it, you're lucky to have not toes started. Covered? <laughs> no mention of totes, which was wow. Yeah, then spoiler. I'm probably alert. not going to watch it. Yeah. yeah. So I know it was hard for me to kind of wait how they did it because they released one episode a week. So you're lucky, Richard, to be able to binge it all at once if you want to, because it's one of those where it's like, man, I want to know how this ends. And to be able to know that in a couple hours is is pretty nice. I had to wait (coughs) six weeks or something like that to figure it out. But man, what an interesting premise of this of a documentary the fact that this even happened blew my mind like there are several moments in every episode that blew my mind so basically the premise is for those of you who aren't aware of mcmillions the mcdonald's monopoly game back in the 90s was not really rigged but it was kind of rigged in the fact that nobody could win a million dollars because all the million dollar game pieces were essentially stolen by this one security guard guy don't spoil that's not a spoiler it's okay. not a spoiler. That's what the show. That's what the show is. And so the FBI finds out about it, and they try to figure out how he did it, why he did it, all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, basically figure out his plan, figure out who the informant was who told the FBI about it, all this stuff. And it blew my mind. Basically, the mob was running the game or whatever, and the details of it are insane. And the fact that McDonald's didn't catch on to this for years and years is is incredible and 
I thought it was really well produced, Brian. I don't know about you, but oh I, I thought it was, in terms of B-roll and reenactments, it was one of the best documentaries I've seen in terms of like footage to actually accent what was happening on the screen, you know, instead of mm-hmm. showing photographs all the time or newspaper clippings, which they do, they really did reenact a lot of this stuff and it was very well photographed and, and, and lit and it had, you know, great titles and graphics and all that kind of stuff. So it was very high production value to this. Mark Wahlberg was one of the producers of it. And I believe Ben Affleck has the rights to the movie version and doesn't know the last I heard he was on his press tour for this way back movie that just came out a couple of weeks ago saying he hopes the movie will still come out. They just got a new draft of the script, but there's no definite plan right now to go into production, anything like that for it. But I would still see the movie, even though I know what happens. It's, it's insane. It blew my mind. Brian, you got a little spoiler free review of it or. Yeah. Yeah. I read this article that this whole thing is based on. I think it's in the daily beast. Like, uh, like I'm looking it up, uh, in the summer of 2018. So I, that came across this and I read it and I was just like, this is the cool, the craziest story that I knew nothing about. And it was just a fascinating read. And so when they, when they started advertising that they were doing this, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I cannot, I cannot wait for this. And it, it did not disappoint. It's great. The The production value is, is fantastic. All the interviews are great. And Doug is the best. Doug is the best character. Doug, the TV. FBI agent is American uh, treasure. I love Doug. him so yeah. much. It's he's so great. I was describing him in the discord, uh, last week to people, somebody who hadn't watched it. I was like, it's like, he's kind of like if Burt Macklin from parks and recreation was a real FBI agent. That's he's it's fantastic. He's fantastic. So mm-hmm. yes, I fully recommend McMillions. That's a great, that's a great one. It's funny because the local Tom thumb, I, I am next to and do my grocery shopping at, they're running a McDonald's promotion right now. I mean, a, uh, a monopoly promotion right now. So every time I check out, they're like, are you playing monopoly? I'm like, no. And by the way, whoever thought to do this now is pretty, <laughs> you know, like had that, that, that Safeway bit's been going for years. Cause I, I always, they really pressure you into it. Yeah. Too, they're like, you play McDonald's? I mean, you play, you play monopoly? You play it's monopoly? Like, no, I'm cool. And they're like, I'll just give you 10 pieces. And I'm like, I'm just going to throw them away. I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. But I guess some people are, Really into it. The nine so. in the nineties. I only man, play sorry. I play sorry at Kroger. <laughs> that uh, that game was so big. I remember playing the Monopoly thing. Like my mom yes. had the little game board in her purse, so every time we went there, because when you're in the nineties, like me, and my two sisters, we would go to McDonald's like two or three times a week. <laughs> you know, like all right, we're coming home from school. All right, get chicken nuggets and go to bed. You know that kind of thing. And so we got a lot of game pieces, and I remember. Nobody ever got certain ones, ever. You know, like there was a, the winning piece or the ones where it's like, oh, if you get these three, but only everybody only got the two. And there was never a story of anyone getting them. And I always thought, even back then, I was like, there's something up here. Like, I don't even think these pieces exist. I think they're just <laughs> trying to, it's like a conspiracy theorist, 11 year old. Yeah, kid. I mean, like, this I sounds like, fishy to me. I was guys. Like, surely I, somebody I would have found these or somebody would have won. Like, <laughs> you never heard about anybody winning, but everybody was playing it. <laughs> And sure enough, man, it's, it goes pretty deep. It goes pretty far and it blew my mind. So yeah, McMillions is out in its entirety now on HBO and HBO go. And so it's worth maybe getting a little free trial of that. Maybe hit it up the Amazon, something like that to, to check that out, binge that while we're 
going through this time. It's it's well worth your time, well worth the watch, and just so well done. That's what blew my mind about it. It's like I, I'm so interested in the story is one thing, but I was just you know, floored at the production value and just like as a photographer and stuff, I was just like, wow, that's such a cool idea to do it that way and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, man, McMillions. And some of the footage they were able to find was incredible to me too. I, I didn't – you know, when your main thing about making documentaries, you just got to have footage. Like mm. to find some of those old tapes and stuff is is crazy because they're probably just sitting in some warehouse somewhere, you know. And they found all this crazy old stuff with these these guys from back in the '90s, and it's really good. So Richard, get on it, get on McMillions. I want to know what you think. Will and uh, once once you f- figure out what happens towards the last couple episodes, please please let us know your thoughts. We, we would love that. But that's my TV recommend is McMillions. Brian, what's your TV recommend? So when I was coming up with these, I tried to think of stuff that was easily accessible and that I hadn't previously recommended or tried to anyway. So um, McMillions is a good one. That's one I would have I thought uh, to put here. Um, for my TV, I went with a show that I love, and it's on Amazon Prime now, so you can bend it all if you want to. I think there are six seasons of it, and five seasons are great. The fifth season is kind of meh. It's a it's a placeholder season until to try to get one of the characters caught up so that the sixth season can be kind of a show a showdown type thing. Um, but the but even that season's okay, and the the other five seasons are all great. So I, I'm going with Justified, uh, which was an nice. FX show. Like I said, now is on uh, is on Amazon Prime, and you can you can check it out. Timothy Oliphant as uh, a I think kind of starts as a is a very typical kind of pro- or the the prototype for the 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 uh, the guy with the badge who just doesn't take no for an answer, the kind of rebel with the badge type guy. Um, and then within a few episodes, they sort of work their way out of that and make him more of an actual character, not just a trope. And then by the second season, the second season is one of the best seasons of television. I think ever, certainly of this peak TV era, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and his foil throughout like the, the villain that that's cast against him is Walton Goggins in the role that he's kind of born to play. He's just, he's so perfect city going up against Oliphant in, um, like very rural Kentucky and, um, you know, his, his way of delivering these lines is perfect. And, uh, man, it's, it's such a fun show. That's what I was kind of trying to think of is like something that's fun. Um, but that also has a little bit of substance to it. And that's, that's what the show did so well. It told really interesting stories pretty much from season two on, it's uh it did the the thing where it's not so let me rephrase that season one is kind of monster of the week type thing where it's it's a little more procedural um where each episode he's dealing with a different person that he's trying to catch or put behind bars or whatever um with a little bit of serialization in the back end but then season two through the end it's it's more serialized and they're telling um sort of self-contained stories within that series and then relating them to the overarching story that's happening throughout the course of the, you know, the whole series. And, uh, it's really wonderful writing and a great deal of fun in addition to, uh, like I said, having some, some substance to it. So, um, if you missed that in its run on TV, which was like, I don't know, 2011 to 2018 or something like that, if you missed that, 
now's the time to, I think, to, to catch up on that and, uh, and binge it. It's a really fun and, and enjoyable binge. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, that is a good it's, one. It, it's that era of kind of peak TV, and I'm going to have one of those kind of from a similar era, era that some things, there are just so many shows, and we didn't have quite the efficiency of distribution that we do now, mm-hmm. that some things just you just mm-hmm. got lost, you didn't get to. And uh, and that's that's a great show that a lot of people have seen, but I think a lot of people haven't. So that's a that's a cool one, and it's great. You're right; it's totally great. Is that available anywhere, Brian? On the Netflix? it's on Amazon. Yeah, Amazon, Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. So if you've got that, gotcha. you've got you've got access, and it's probably on Hulu too. I didn't look to check. I know Hulu's big deal is that they've got all the FX stuff now too, mm-hmm. so it may be there as well. But I know it's on Amazon Prime if you've got that. Excellent. Good one. And it's like I'm looking. It's it's 78 episodes. That's a great length of a binge, I think. Like because that that will mm-hmm. that will occupy a good chunk of your time, but it's not the same as like uh, The Simpsons, <laughs> you know, or something like that. We're just like, <laughs> well, now I got to spend the rest of my life doing this. So anyway, yes, for sure. That's a good one. Timothy Oliphant had a fun cameo on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm this year he too. Did. He did. Yeah. Yeah, he's did great. Indeed. Big fan of that guy. Yeah, ever told my Tim Oliphant story uh, on the podcast? I don't think so. Timothy Oliphant story. I really haven't told it in eight years. I haven't told it. I figured one of you guys would know it. I don't. Know. I don't think so. I don't know. You it. dated briefly? No, not really. <laughs> um, so that was Goggins. That's right. You dated Walton Goggins. So when I was the unicorn. So when when I was in um, <laughs> music business and in the band that I was in, we were looking for a record deal, right? So we had oh, all, so we had mm-hmm. so we had re, uh, label representatives like uh, meeting with us, you know, coming to Dallas. We'd go to dinner. We'd play at a rehearsal space and all that. And so one of the guys that came was named Andy Oliphant, <laughs> and he uh, came came to dinner with us and said, "Hey, uh, you guys heard of my brother? He's an actor." And we're like, "No." And this was like two thousand and six probably. So not a very prominent actor in 06. And we're like, no, what, what will we know him from? He's like, Oh, he's in gone, gone in 60 seconds. We're like, (laughs) okay, cool. Like I thought that was Nicholas cage and a couple other people. I didn't know, you know, like not a prominent character in that or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, kind of forgot about it. And so we ate dinner with this guy. He just gets hammered on his, uh, his company's credit card. And he's like, "Do, do, do any of you guys have gone in 60 seconds? Uh, like on DVD, and one of our guys or our manager was like, yeah, I, I've got it. And he's like, do you guys want to go back to your place and watch it? I'll show you. And so <laughs> and so we went back, and the guy came over to uh, to our like uh, band rehearsal um, apartment, and we just watched Gone in 60 Seconds with him and got – and got uh, super hammered, and then never heard from him again. Didn't didn't have any chance of getting signed there. He had no intention of signing us. He came in, he flew in, got super drunk on his uh, company's credit card, and took us to dinner, and then bragged about being Timothy Oliphant's brother, and peaced out. And it was awesome. So every time I think of Tim Oliphant, I think of, wonder what his brother's up to. Wonder if he's I just. I hope he doesn't have a brother, and that guy. Just... <laughs> 
This is all a weird scam. You know, he had like, to have been his brother because who brags about that in 06? You that's know? just part. Like, that's part of the bit, though. Like oh, that maybe. helps. That helps sell the sell the lie when it's just it's like who would just obscure enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always tell people I'm, I'm Alan Tudyk's cousin. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of Nina Dobrev? Yeah, she's my uh, fourth cousin. It's like oh, I kind of kind of heard oh, that wow. name. Okay, well. Yeah, that's a. I can't. I can't think of Tim Malfon without thinking of <laughs> that's great. This random dude that was like, and we were like eighteen at the time, so he's like, clearly could have just gone to his hotel and gotten home, but he's like, you guys want to party and watch Gone in sixty seconds? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I guess. Sure, I guess. We, you know, we wanted to get signed, and then never happened. <laughs> the end of the story. All right, uh, Richard, what's your TV recommend? Yeah, mine's on other shows uh, from that era as well. We've talked about it quite a bit on the show. I think this is one all three of us have seen, but when I'm out there in the world, which I now no longer am, uh, but when I'm out there in the world, uh, one thing we uh, that I, I meet people all the time that have not seen of this, have, have not heard of it, and it's, to me, one of the three or four greatest shows ever, and I think it's, it's uh, I think, again, it's was kind of caught in between the cable phase where everyone had the same cable channels and the streaming platforms where everyone had the same streaming pl- platforms and everything was kind of marketed universally. Uh, it was in that kind of 2013 to 2018 run where things weren't uh, as universal. So I'm going to go with The Americans. Nice. And it's a show that's great. And uh, both stars of it are now like kind of low-key movie stars. So it's, it's a nice little launching pad, but it is a about as tight of a narrative show as you will find and really tells a story concisely six seasons, I believe. Um, and every, there's not too many wasted episodes. Every show has maybe one or two that are, but everything moves with a lot of momentum towards a really thrilling conclusion. And it's one of the best finales ever. And one of the best pilots ever. And, and, and everything in between is great too. And a lot of, uh, great, uh, you know, supporting actors and things as well that you see now all the time and things. It was one of those shows that I think Hollywood really watched. And so mm. people were cast from it. Um, the girl from Ozark, you know, that plays Kimmy in it. She's in everything now. I forgot her name, of course. Uh, but tons of people from, so it's a fabulous show. It's about, uh, it takes place in the eighties. What I love about it is it doesn't get lost in the eighties part. It just is like just enough to where it's believable, but like they're not teasing out Carrie Russell's hair or anything, you know. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, the car is from nineteen eighty five. Okay, it's nineteen eighty five. You're you're there. All right, I'll just watch the stupid show, dummy. <laughs> um, and I love that about it. So it's it takes place in the eighties during the Cold War, and it's based on on some true stories actually written by Joe Weisberg, who was a CIA analyst, and it's about uh, these this illegals program that the Russians had uh, spies living amongst us. And carrying out missions um, that were act- people; these people were actually kind of citizens of of that were kind of raised here, or at least came over when they were very young, and lived among us, had families and stuff. So it's really told from the point of view of Russian spies. It's the ultimate antihero thing because they're people mm-hmm. you're not supposed to root for, but of course you you fall in love with them instantly because it's freaking Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese, and the FBI agent that's chasing him, uh, Stan Beeman, moves in across the street. Oh, what are the odds? Gosh, and thus. They're all, it's a whole show about near misses and things like that. And I think is a espionage is always great. And, uh, you know, this isn't a show that, uh, I, I this is a show I recommend to pretty much everyone. It's not mm-hmm. one that's very niche. It's like, you're going to like this. So, uh, yeah. So the Americans it's on FX. Um, so it'll probably move to Hulu soon with that merger, but mm-hmm. I believe for now it's on Amazon prime. 
So depending on when you're listening to this, it's on either Amazon Prime or the Hulu, as Ari King says. Nice. I'm so glad you picked that one. I had, I literally, I wrote down American slash Justified, and when Kit <laughs> threw me first, I was That's like, awesome. I'm going to hope that that uh, that RB picks Americans. One of the best pilot episodes ever of any TV show ever. Like, what an incredible! If it doesn't hook you, first episode, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, it's such a perfect first hour of TV. Great choice. Yes, great. You've seen that great one show. too, right, Kent? Yes, I have, and. So awesome that Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese are married in real life. It just adds mm-hmm. to it because you no, think that's awesome if you were her husband when she started the show, but that's neither here nor there. They're, uh, <laughs> they're still, uh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, there's it's they're still kind of I, I think of them, you know, when they go yeah. to get award shows together oh, yeah. and stuff. And Matthew Reese still remains as like one of the most underrated. He's just a great personalities, actor. actors, celebrities ever. Like the dude's not even verified on Twitter. And <laughs> this guy's like leading over Tom Hanks in movies. He's in one of the best shows ever. He's nominated for Emmys. I think he won one, didn't he? Did he win one? No, he was nominated for a couple. I know the Americans yeah. won won some Emmys, but uh man, what a great show and certainly will go down as one of the most underrated dramas of all time, I would think. It's not like it never got to mm-hmm. the popularity of a Breaking Bad or, yeah, or, or a Game of Thrones, but it was that good. It, was, it certainly was, mm-hmm. and it it des- it deserves more praise than it ever got. I don't know if it's because it was on FX or Carrie Russell was on Felicity. I don't know why. You know, I don't I don't understand why it never got there, but it, it was great. Just not enough people saw it, I guess. And and props to FX for keeping it going, too. yeah, and not mm-hmm. like canceling it after season two or three when it wasn't getting that that many that great ratings ever but i think the people really liked the show and yeah, knew it was it, good and the got enough awards where it brought the network prestige mm-hmm. which is kind of what you're into because you're just going to end mm-hmm. up in, it's kind of the syndication model reverse now where you're going to turn around and send it sell it to amazon prime in two years so you know you're going to make money on the show so what you're really looking for at, at during that time i think as a cable network are things that increase your brand as a network which i think it certainly did I think it did too. Okay, now it's time to move on to some movie recommends here. Brian, you want to start us off for movies? Sure. Again, I tried to pick something that was streaming that people would have access to without you know paying extra money for and something that hadn't previously recommended. And then I was looking for something that was fun. Um, and since I picked Justified on the Amazon side of things, I wanted to go to Netflix here. Uh, and so I'm going to recommend the Indiana Jones trilogy on, uh, Netflix. I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything new or recent that, that I really enjoyed that we hadn't talked about, you know, ad nauseum on the show. So if you want that, then, you know, Jojo Rabbit's great. Knives Out is great. Um, Little Women comes out digitally, I think next week. Uh, Rise, there's plenty of great stuff that came out last year Ford versus Ferrari that's out there. That's um, you know, available for you. And if you missed it in 2019, this is a great time to catch up on it. But if you're, but trying to think of something different, Indiana Jones trilogy is one of my, my favorite series of movies, all three of them. I'm glad there's not a fourth one that would ruin anything for us or make me regret any of those choices. Um, but the three Indiana Jones movies are fantastic. Even the worst one of those three temple of doom is still like a really fun, stupid movie. Um, and, but Raiders of the Lost Ark and last crusade are, two of the best movies made during the eighties period. And, uh, and they're very Spielberg and Harrison Ford is great in that role. Uh, even more so than, 
than Han Solo, I think. He just really embodies that role so well and is having fun doing it and uh, love those movies. And they make that's a solid, at least it's a good day. If you're really like, I'm just going to sit here and binge a series, what should I do? Um, that, that's a that's a good good choice. And they're all three available on Netflix. Whereas like, for some reason, Fellowship of the Ring is not on Lord of the, not on Netflix, but the other two movies are. And there's a couple other movies that are in the same or, or universes. There's thing where there's like one or two from a trilogy on Netflix, but not all of them. It's kind of annoying. All three of these movies are on Netflix. You can sit down and watch them all in, I don't know, seven hours or so and uh, and have a good time with them. So uh, the Indiana Jones trilogy and not the quadrilogy that does not exist. Does not exist. Well, the uh, I don't know what the f- fifth trilogy or whatever is going to be <laughs> next year. Mm-hmm. Quintilogy? Mm-hmm. Quint- yeah. Quintilogy, yeah. Yeah. Or no, maybe if it's good, then that'll be a quadrilogy. Right, right. Mm. There's no fourth. Apt. I think they just got yeah. confused it's like the th- in the marketing. That's all. It's like a thirteenth floor in a hotel. <laughs> you know? Just skipping right over number. Yeah, four. you just skip right over it. There's one, <laughs> two, three, and five. Uh huh. Okay, it works. It's like a razor, maybe a razor uh, machete order kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you don't even need episode one. There's pretty much nothing in there worth it. Machete just, order for Indiana Jones. Right. One, two, three, five. <laughs> That'd be funny. It's real good. I'm gonna go ahead and. Right. Draft that, yeah, draft that into a, good, yeah, <laughs> into a little medium article or something. Good trademark that one. Thanks. Yeah, I'll put that out opening weekend. It's a good one. Good. It's good to binge trilogies. It's so funny to me that people complain about The Irishman. You know, like God, we're the longest movie ever, but they have no problem watching nine hours of some TV right. show, binging seven seasons of Mad Mad Men or whatever, and. One weekend, but my wife is yeah, this that's, person. That's me. I don't understand that at all. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, my I wife like, just will not watch any movie. I mean, my wife has not seen a movie in two years. And but my, she will my hammer wife's through on that that front. Yeah, she's not yeah. a movie person either. But then we'll hammer through mm-hmm. nine watches. Some you yeah. know, as I always say, some twelve episode show about British women killing their husbands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No biggie. That's a Saturday. Right. Mm-hmm. If it has Lucy Hale in it. My wife is in. That's that's the kind of shows that, that Lindsay's into. Oh she, there's it. some new CW show that has Lucy Hale, and as soon as I saw a commercial, I was like, "Oh, I bet you'll love this." It's just she's she's game for that. Uh, that kind yeah, of my wife doesn't the know she, the CW exists. I don't think. I know. And I'm it's, glad. It's better that way. Yeah, but she has a brand. Any any show that has the title that has liar in the title, Lindsay's <laughs> in. That's that's her. Pretty Little it's Liars. She's big yeah. into that. Right. What, what are, yeah. What's the one on HBO? Uh, I can't little, even remember. Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. Big little lies. Yeah. yeah, it has lie in the title. Lindsay Lindsay Gill is is all over it. She's big time into those. But good. Wow. Good. Anyway, good that's my uh, that's my movie recommend. What do you guys got? Yeah, uh, I'll go next. Mine's kind of a kind of along the lines of yours. I don't know about readily available being Amazon Hulu or anything like that. I could certainly look that up, but that would require me to my attention to go to my computer right now. I don't want to have to do that. Maybe you guys can look it up as I'm talking. Sure. Uh, I recently, and I was talking about this with the VIPs. I recently have done a, uh, Alfred Hitchcock binge and, uh, gone you back and, and done that. And so I'm going to recommend a string of movies from, from Alfred Hitchcock and it's the obvious ones, but they're obvious because they're great. And I had gone back and watched some different ones. I went back and watched Rear Window, which I loved. 
uh, suspicion, sabotage, uh, shadow of a doubt is great. If you've never seen that one, that's a great, uh, um, thriller. It's not really, like, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it because it's like about a guy that's kind of shady and I don't want to spoil it. Shadow of a doubt's great. It's kind of the, uh, it's in the film registry, the library of Congress kind of thing. So it's, it's worthy of your time just to kind of know about it. Uh, but I'm going to recommend the string of movies from 58 to 63. And I think this is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe this is a discussion we can have. Is this the greatest, like four movies, uh, in a director's filmography, like in a row for vertigo North by Northwest psycho and the birds. Mm. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, Spielberg I say- might, might like with jaws close encounters, but then he had 1941, and then he had E.T., right? So it was like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think there's there's maybe some directors like Tarantino has some good streaks there. But, I mean, that's about – that's four all-timers right there, right in a row, mm-hmm. right in the wheelhouse, right in the sweet spot of, of Hitchcock. And, man, those are all masterpieces on pretty much every, every level. So, uh, can I push back yeah. a little bit on – like a potential competition. Mm-hmm. You go transporter unleashed transporter Two, incredible Hulk clash of the mm. Titans. Now you see me brothers. Grim- Grimsby. Whoa. Oh, Whoa. That's tough. That's, yeah, you, you want up to me there. Heavy hitter, man. I can't argue so with that. Yeah. I I'm just saying, I mean, just cranking out. Hits. Brothers Grimsby. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> The heck are you going? Somehow, now you see me is not the worst movie on that no, list. But. No, not even close. And my th- I thought you were going with all the transporter movies at first. Gosh, like, <laughs> crank, hey, crank kid, just to follow yeah. that up, I think all these are streaming on Stars right now, okay. which is like the hardest. Well, everybody on, has Stars, so but I was, I was going to say this: they keep advertising this, and now I've mentioned it. I've said it in front of my phone, so I'm sure this will be the only ad I get for the next six months, but. You can get you can get three months of stars for five bucks a month right now if that's a thing that you're interested in and it sounds it looks like they have like all the Hitchcock films in addition to whatever else they've got over there so if that's something you're wanting that's a lot cheaper than tracking down all these movies individually and such I so um, just just mention for you yeah. no I, I actually uh, we've been putting together a list for my job of the greatest sports movies of all time like just going through and. And while there's no literally no sports out there, we're gonna do like mm-hmm. some some movies. Mm-hmm. But I was going going through and finding out where they're all streaming and stuff. And Stars was like over half the movies were on Stars, and so it did make me think. I was like, man, if I didn't have Netflix, I think I'd do Stars because like, that's well known that Netflix had the Stars agreement right when they kind of broke out, and that's why everyone was like, God, everything's on Netflix. It's because they had all the Stars movies, and then when Stars left. Now Netflix only has their original series there, you know, and a couple plus, movies that they can get rights to. But plus, you get Sweet Bitter, um, Californication, so. isn't that on Stars? Ash vs. Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Ash vs. Evil Mad- Dead is good. It's fun. And uh, some pirate Outlander, show, I think. Yeah. Black Sails. Is that on Stars? <laughs> yeah. Let's get Adrian on. He can break down Stars for us. He does. Sure. Stars original sure series. He He's got all those. Than we do. Well, that's a good get, man. If if it's worth for doing a five bucks for a month, yeah. See all these sure. Hitchcock movies, man. It's whew, these are incredible. Criterion collections of these are great too. 
So yeah, man, Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho, and the Birds. Richard, what's your favorite one of those? I'm a Vertigo guy. Interesting. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Vertigo guy. I love. Uh, yeah, I think that movie is some of the best cinematography of all time. Yeah, hard to mess up San Francisco. I grant you that. Uh, love the performance of Stewart. Yeah, Vertigo is my favorite of that those groups. But they're all they're all favorites. I've been doing a lot of old movies lately. Um, kind of it was a New Year's resolution of mine to kind of a lot of stuff I'd seen, but I had not really purposefully watched a bunch mm-hmm. of classics in a row and like to compare them, you know, they all kind of just morphed into great in my brain. And so I wanted to kind of get a list going and things like that. So I've been, I've been hammering through quite a lot of stuff and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a that's, a among my favorite that I've of the probably 15 quote unquote classics I've watched so far this year. So there's my recommend for movies, Alfred Hitchcock movies, and specifically that, that Reign of Four right there, if you're going to do a little binge. Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho, and the Birds. All classics and all well worth your time for any movie lover. So, Richard, movie recommend. Yeah, I'm going to do one. I've been doing some film watching over the last few days while locked up, and uh, I'm a big, Brian and I share this, I'm a big Michael Mann fan, hmm. and... Uh, collateral we talked about, which gets a lot of love, and Heat now has kind of become a, considered a modern classic. One that gets kind of grouped over, even though it's, it was really well respected in its time, is The Insider. And hmm. The Insider is Pacino and Russell Crowe. It was kind of it was Russell Crowe right before Gladiator, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Really made him a list, mm-hmm. but he's great in this, and it's it's a uh, kind of a, sort of a journalistic thriller which is right up my my uh alley on the on the tobacco companies but i think it's a great pacino performance i think it's his best performance uh certainly post set of a woman uh where he's he's really natural in it which he never really is and you know and it's fun i like to watch al pacino be al pacino that's fun still he's a great persona even in heat he's kind of like crazy and stuff but in this he's very like he almost feels improvisist, impro- improvisational. He's got this great vibe to him. I think he's really locked in with it. And it's fun to watch, and Russell Crowe's great in this, and and it's a it's a really smart. Uh, but the, the supporting cast with Christopher Plummer, who plays Mike Wallace, which is so cool, um, Philip Baker Hall, all these great um, actors that you that you love, and so it's it's a a real rip torn. Uh, <laughs> it's a really great uh, great film. Dumbledore is in it as well. Um, second Dumbledore, not not mm. Richard Harris. Uh, Screamy Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I <laughs> I love this uh, movie, and I hadn't seen it in probably fifteen years. And I watched it yesterday, and was like, "This movie rules so hard. This needs to be higher on my list." I'm going to start watching it maybe once every two years or so because I, I liked it that much. It's on that kind of nice. Michael Clayton. If you like that, it's not as action packed as Heat. Um, it's more of a intellectual thriller because it's, you know, about like scientists and stuff, but it's, it's a talkie a little bit. Yeah. But if you like that, that kind of film, um, I think you would, you would really like, like this one quite a bit. There you go. Very nice. The insider. I haven't seen the insider since probably since it like came out on DVD, maybe, I mean, 20 years, most likely I need to go back and, and check that one out. It's been a really long time. It's awesome. Highly recommend. Excellent. That's an out of the box recommend and yeah. one probably a lot of people haven't seen that listen to the show. So 
It's an Eric like Roth a, script too, which he's done some uh, bad stuff like Forrest great Gump. Eric Roth. Yeah, but he's done a lot of great stuff too. So, all right. So uh, there you go. There's some movies. So let's move on to books slash music slash whatever else we want to recommend. Richard, do you want to start this one off? Yeah, this is one I talked about uh, briefly on the on the show actually, but I think it's movie specific, so I think it's a fun one. I'd love to talk about it a little more. It's called The Big Goodbye by Sam Wasson, or Wasson. I don't know how to say it. And it's this really cool book, ostensibly about the making of Chinatown and about that era of Hollywood, that kind of Warren Beatty, Jack Nicholson, Roman Polanski era of new Hollywood cresting, uh, Robert Robert uh, Evans, cresting with this film and kind of ending with this film. And it starts really with all the... All the uh, the Manson stuff and the Sharon Tate and some Polanski things. And then a lot of Robert Evans, a lot of Jack, and then goes into the, you know, the screenwriting on this really kind of dug up some stuff on the screenwriting of Chinatown that was not previously known that, Hmm. uh, someone else sort of at least was like around for all the writing of it and never took credit for it. And, uh, it's a really interesting look into golden era or second golden era of Hollywood. A lot of great big players that would go on to do things uh, and then a lot of history, you know, with with that Polanski stuff is pretty pretty crazy, and goes into Angelica Houston and and Jack kind of being, you know, they were in, they own the house that the the really kind of naughty plant naughty is a bad word, the kind of gross Polanski stuff happened in, and and uh, yeah, it's I mean it it covers everything, it really covers like ten years, but is all around Chinatown, and that's a that's a movie we did an episode on a couple years ago. And another kind of classic that I've been rewatching that the more I watch it, the more I really like it. I mean, obviously I liked it before. It's a classic, but now it's really going up my list. I think it's really interesting movie. And uh, yeah, I love, this is the best. I've read two really good uh, Hollywood books this year. The, the Mike Nichols oral history is great as well, but this is, was a really cool book. I think if you're interested in, Film history, Hollywood history, or even just kind of the 60s and 70s as a historical time. This is a, it's a lot like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but real, right? It's It doesn't have the, the Tarantino'd up part and really covers that same time. I, I just found it completely fascinating. One of the best books I've read in a while. So, and that's The Big Goodbye by Sam Lawson. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Brian, what you got? Nice, nice. Let's see. Um, I'm gonna. I'll do a book too. I wasn't sure where they go, book or movie, or excuse me, music. Um, I think to Arby. I think I w- it wouldn't be a terrible idea for you to do a a top ten nonfiction books or something, some kind of yeah. thing like that, and put it up as like a solo. And and I could maybe do one as a, a fiction. And can't I'm sure the uh, <laughs> a music recommends or something like that. We should. That, that's something to to think about. Yeah, um, we, that. we we always get questions about book recs and music recs and things like that. And it might be a good idea to have some of that on, on record somewhere, at least for VIPs. Um, this book series, one of my favorites, it's a, it's a relatively recent addition to my favorites list. And I've read it a couple times over the last two years, three years. And, uh, it sparked a little bit of, of conversation in our discord a couple weeks ago too. And just reminded me how much I love it. And, um, has been is not quite as widely read as like Harry Potter or some of those some of those books. Um, it's the Red Rising trilogy. 
I think I may have recommended this at some point. I read it once, I think maybe like, I'm looking at when the dates of when the last one of this, the original trilogy came out. And that was 2015. So I probably read this in like 2016, 2017, something like that. And I really enjoyed it. And then I reread, reread it a year or two later and I liked it much more so. And it also, I think, kind of helped me with Dune. I just, I just read that for the first time all the way through and listened to the audiobook. And there are some, there are some definite inspirations for Red Rising in Dune, and all of the, like, but it's a little more uh, accessible, a lot more accessible than, than Dune is, and it kind of helped me understand and navigate Dune a little bit better because Dune is just so dense. But it's a it's a it's a three book trilogy. There are two more books after that with a third coming that's kind of like a separate trilogy that's told however many years later. I haven't read either of those new the new ones yet because I've just heard they end on such cliffhangers that you may want to wait until they're all out uh to read them all. But it's a uh the best I could come up with it's it's kind of like a cross between Game of Thrones and the Hunger Games. It's a I don't know if if I would define it as YA because it's pretty it's pretty dense and pretty serious for for, for uh, even for YA, um, but it's it's about a a future society with a caste system and stuff like that on Mars and um, and the 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 attack or excuse me the protagonist is somebody who comes from the lowest caste and it's just about his excuse me his ascension to try to take over things and and upset the balance and. And all this sort of stuff. It's really well written. Some of the stuff is very, uh, very serious. It's, it's it would be difficult to put it to screen in a non R rated way. I think I think that's probably part of the reason why it hasn't been adapted yet. But um, but it's also there's some funny parts. There's some really really great characters that are the type that you latch onto the way you do with the Harry Potter series or things like that. Um, and I, I really loved reading it. So. It's become one that I anticipate reading, you know, every three or three to five years, something like that, like I do with Harry Potter, like I did for a long time with The Hobbit and things like that. Some of my very, very favorite books. So, um, and it's like I said, it's a little bit less known than some of those, the the bigger, bigger books, uh, series like that. So check it out. Red Rising Trilogy. They're, the first one I think is like 14 or 15 hours long if you're doing the audiobook, which is great. The audiobooks are, are really good. The the reader's awesome. Um, and they're longer from there. The third one is, is much longer. Um, but they're they're really good and, and fun reads. And eventually they will become, I think probably more likely they are to become a, a TV series or something because there's just a lot there. I think it would be hard to to get them into uh, into two or three movies, but uh, I think it'll be a, a series at some point and it could it could really translate quite well. It's, it's very well done. So check that out. Very cool. Nice. Red Rising. Red Rising. Yeah. That's cool, man. Sounds I have like a bad Hemsworth movie yeah. at some point. <laughs> Is you think it'll ever... Get to the big screen, Brian. I think it will. Um, the guy who wrote it, his name is Pierce Brown, and he is, I think, rightly very protective of his intellectual property, and is like, I'm not just going to sell the rights. I'm going to make sure that if this gets done, it gets done the right way and done the way that I want it and stuff. And so, it's been in and out of you know very vague pre-production with a couple yeah, Mark, of well, different Mark sources. Going to do it at one point. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so it's kind of been all over the place. I think it's too, 
it's too rich of material, I think, for it not to get done at some point. But I would prefer, I think it very much lends itself to a series more so than a trilogy of films or something like that. It's just, there's a lot that it will take multiple episodes to set up. I think it would be very hard to do in a movie setting, especially the first one to just jump in and and go. Um, I think, I don't know. I think it would be, it would benefit from being an HBO series or a Netflix series or or something like that more so than, than a series of films. But yeah, I think it'll, it'll make some, I think it'll get adapted at some point. Um, It's just, it's really good material and it's pretty well written and, um, interesting world. I, so to me, it just seems like a no brainer at some point. Uh, but it also seems like he's, he's being very stubborn about making sure that it's the right deal and he has enough, uh, control over it and whatnot. Yeah. I hope to see it sometime because it's probably more likely that I'll dive into it when it's announced. And then I'm like, all right, sure. I gotta, sure. gotta do this now. It's kind of how I roll. So I'm going to recommend, uh, some music because, uh, the last book I've read, I'm sure you guys have recommended before. I don't want to r- triple recommend things. So I want to recommend some music. And uh, I've spent a lot of time on planes recently, traveling for work, things like that. So dug dug into a lot of music. But Richard and I went and saw this band a couple of weeks ago. And I dig the album. just came out. It's really good. If you're into like Motown music, like the 60s soul sound Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, that kind of music. You'll really dig this band or a new band called Bastards of Soul from Dallas. Richard nice. and I saw them the, a couple weeks ago, like I said, and they were put on a great show at their album release party. Very energetic music, great frontman, and uh, very great soulful, insanely good bass player, guitarist, drummer, yeah. the whole deal. Like, really, really solid, solid band. And the album's called Spinning, and it's on Spotify, Apple Music, things like that, uh, Bastards of Soul. And a few weeks before Richard and I saw them, I went and saw them open for another band called the Black Pumas that are also kind of a soul band, but with a new kind of an indie flavor to them. And kind of kind of soul-inspired, but more along the neo, lines of indie rock. Soul. Yeah, like a neo-soul kind of, kind of indie rock sound. And they're great, too. Um, so I've been rocking that album. It's just called Black Pumas. It's a self-titled album. It's their only album that has come out there from Austin. And they're in fantastic as well. And I imagine them to blow up huge here in the next year. If they're not on SNL within a year, then SNL is messing up. Like, this band's <laughs> going to be big. And they're great live, great on TV. They played uh, the Jimmy Fallon show, Jimmy Kimmel, things like that. But haven't really broken out. But I anticipate that very soon once they hit the festivals and all that. But Black Puma is incredible. So I've been rocking kind of a rotation between those two records and, of course, some classic rock and stuff like I always do. But it's kind of the new stuff I've been listening to. So Bastards of Soul and Black Pumas, get on those. Let me know what you think of them. Hopefully you like them. And uh, they're bands we need to support. And they're going to be really big someday. So get on board now, both of those. That's, uh, that's my last recommend. Man, this was fun. Nice. Yeah, yeah it was fun. We can do this for a while while we're all spending a little more time at home, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe stay we'll safe out there and do more and, of these. Uh, yeah. This is kind of fun to do. We got, I'll, yeah, I think maybe we'll do some solo 20 minute recommend episodes too with some, uh, we can bear down on some interest of ours. Cause Hey, it's always, I think we're all friends, uh, with the man fam. It's, I think we like a lot of things you may like between the three of us. Mm-hmm. We might hate everything I like and love what everything Brian likes and vice versa or vice versa. So 
That's kind of fun. So we should do more of these. Absolutely. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. And everybody take care out there. Hope you enjoyed some of these recommends. Hope you can dive into some of this stuff to take your mind off things. And let us know some recommends. If you have things you need us to check out, want us to check out, feel free to follow us, add us on social media, at MadAboutMovies, and get in on that Discord as well. MadAboutMovies.com slash VIP. The conversation will continue over there. Until next time, hope to see you soon at the cinema. Bye.